0: There is nothing wrong with your setting. You are about to experience the awe and mystery known as the female mind. You are now entering the Fangirl Zone.
1: We will continue exploring, discovering new worlds, new civilizations. Welcome to the Captain's Chair, a podcast on all shows in the Star Trek universe on the
2: Fangirl Zone. I'm Richard Dave, and joining me in this mission into the unknown is... I'm Chief Engineer Steve, and today we'll be discussing Episode 6 of Season 4 of Star Trek Discovery.
1: Good thing, uh, Chief Engineer Steve, you
2: were in the right place on the Discovery this time, instead
1: of some lonely hallway. Yes. <laughs> With that little hole. <laughs> yeah. It's got a brand new, brand new window.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, that guy was a little bit uh, <laughs> too... I can do it. I can do it. <laughs> no you can't. <laughs> I can do it.
1: No one can hear you. No one can hear you screaming space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, we have a little news before we get going here. Paramount announced that the Star Trek Discovery will be taking a short hiatus after episode 7 airs on December 30th and return with episode 8 on February 10th. Can they give a reason for that? Any hints or is it just is it a COVID break or just a regular break break winter break?
2: No, actually, it's a break to allow them to air the last set of episodes for Star Trek Prodigy. Ah, they decided they didn't want to air both episodes at the same time like they did (laughs) during the first part of uh, Prodigy. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure you get
1: your ducks in a row and don't crowd the pond. (laughs) Yes.
2: (laughs) Well, this was an
1: interesting episode. Yeah, it was interesting. I know we're not rating it, but if we were, I'd give it three out of five screaming dots. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Why is it always the robots that suffer?
2: Yes, and I'd give it three out of five. Do you want to play a game?
1: (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Yeah, A lot of their quippiness is a bit too on the nose. I mean, a bit too 21st century even. Right. It's hard to believe they would even speak like that in the 23rd or 24th century, let alone the
2: 32nd. Yeah. But but they do. Yeah. (laughs) Whatever. That's fine. All right. Let's get into Episode 6, Stormy Weather. Seeking answers, the USS Discovery ventures into a subspace rift created by the Dark Matter Anomaly. Meanwhile, Book faces a strange visitor from his past. I'll say. (laughs) (laughs) Jerks in space. (laughs) Daddy troubles much? (laughs) Brother.
1: (laughs) Book's like, this is why it became Batman. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So Burnham is pondering the nature of the past and memory as she puts together a tree of her past. Book walks in and they discuss it. And then, how it's it's dad's birthday, briefly before moving on to the matter of the DNA created subspace rift to examine. Book expresses uncertainty of doing this versus jumping further afield to questions other stellar nations about the DNA. On the way to the bridge, Shrew goes over the previous rifts examined by other ships. In the turbo lift, still using those things, <laughs> they check the status of Zora. Nothing's wrong, her emotions being a natural development. Oh. That's Nothing wrong with that. Yeah, that's going to change real quick. (laughs) Once on the bridge, they they call the crew to stations. Adira heads off after Gray assures uh, he'll be okay left alone. He didn't look okay. (laughs) Yeah. They begin with the mission heading into the subspace rift on impulse. Really? I thought they did it on purpose. <laughs> <Yeah>. oh. <laughs> Sorry. The, uh, the entrance heats up the shield, but once inside, the rift is completely devoid of seemingly
2: anything. Yeah, talk about a black hole. Yeah, no kidding.
1: <laughs> I think it would, the old hairs on the back of the neck would have stood up on that one like, where is everything? Anything? Yes, anything. <laughs> anything. I'd rather see those little things crawl through the sand and then blowing up than uh, <laughs> absolutely nothing. <Yes. laughs> you should know where you are. Bruckle wants to head out to scout, but is overruled in favor of sending out a dot. Overruled again, kiddo. Yep. The dot, however, begins to disintegrate about 5,000 meters out from the ship. Burnham orders a red alert.
2: I like when she takes action. (laughs) Burnham explains that since something is out there, she asks for options. They immediately send a a photonic flare in the same trajectory as the dot, which fizzles out slightly earlier.
1: You know, I, I would have uh, been tempted. Don't they have ship's lights? They have not just navigation lights. Not that they need them going at light speed. Right. But if they have docking lights, I would have I would have turned
2: those on just in case, you know,
1: there was something gigantic right in front of them right. that they
2: couldn't see. Exactly. They estimate whatever disintegrated the dot and flare is coming at 2.9 meters per second and will reach the ship in 33 minutes. Yikes. They extend shields and boost power to them. An engineering book assists Stamets with power redirection. Gray asks Zora what's going on with the red alert, and Zora explains the basic situation. Gray probes further, and Zora seems to be struggling to deal with all of the ship's information. Gray offers to play a game to help with it. (laughs) There you go. Stamets tells Burnham he can't get any more power to the shields. That's a classic line from ancient Star Trek. (laughs) Uh, he only would have said it with a got Irish a drug. accent. Yeah. <laughs> I can't
1: get you more power.
2: On the bridge, Saru tells Burnham that whatever's out there is coming in faster than they expected and that they can't complete their missions anyway, so he advises they leave. Burnham orders them to leave, but without any external sensor information and Zora being unable to c- calculate how they came in they decide to use the spore drive to jump out. That's probably not a good idea. <laughs> well, they had no idea where they would end up, though, right? Right, Any, exactly. Anywhere but out, in the middle of the sun, somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> In engineering, Stamets wants to go over the data as they jump, so Book acts as a navigator. Upon the attempt, however, the jump fails as a power surge knocks Book off the controls. When Burnham asks what happened, Stamets reports that they cannot jump due to the nature of the mycelial network inside the rift. And another chapter closes for Book. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes I have problems with the.
1: The technical aspects, they extended the shields and added more power. What if they, That's like, I don't know, adding an extra battery to your flashlight. Why don't they just keep the shields where they are and have um, regular power until they need it? Right. But that's just me. <clears throat> you know, maybe someday that cat will be the captain. Yeah. <laughs> I won't have anything to bitch about anymore. Rudge the queen. <laughs> that's right. Do you have a queen over your ship? <laughs> so Book attempts to perform the jump and events repeat from his perspective with apparent distortion. He sees his dead father, Leto, in front of him who calls him... Tarek's book says it's impossible, and the vision of his father expresses anger at him taking orders instead of hunting the enemy. All right, then, I get the old eye roll. What? Another jerk? A second episode in a row? Good grief. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jerks in space. Book says it's impossible, and the vision of his father expresses anger at him taking orders instead of hunting the enemy. Did I read that? When Stamps checks Book, books asks if he saw that, and Stamps reports the energy surge while helping Book to sickbay. <laughs> no, not that. That other thing. The old guy. Yeah. Nope. <laughs> nope. In sickbay, Book reports seeing his father to burn him. Well, at least it wasn't one of those episodes where he keeps it to himself, Right. You know, we'll it, as, no, the audience knows, but no one else does, and it causes even more problems. Thank God they didn't go that that street. Right. Dr. Colbert explains it's a hallucinatory effect that should go away eventually.
2: That's <laughs> not a <Eggstar>. solid answer. <laughs> Sometime, maybe. Uh. Don't forget to pay your bill before
1: you go out the door. Bye. <laughs> Stamets then explains the nature of the energy surge being like
2: touching a live electrical wire. Remember those? Yeah. (laughs) Not anybody on that crew should remember a live electrical wire. (laughs) They they should all look at him like, what?
1: Yeah. (laughs) But they still use doors and turbo lifts. Anyway, he also indicates the particles that hit Book's brain may help them understand the nature of the void. Gray continues to play the game with Zora. Gray compliments Zora's name, and Zora reports it means uh, some Earth Baku in the bar culture's dawn or new day. Or chatty, computer. Yeah. As they chat, Zora reports detecting something on the outside of the hall, and Gray says she needs to tell Burnham. Did we get why Zora wouldn't tell Burnham? She, I think she was just
2: too scared. She was having problems processing everything. Yeah, processing.
1: <laughs> on the bridge, Zora tells Burnham something is going on part of the hall. Uh-oh. On the bridge, Zora tells something something's going wrong outside the, the hall. Dr. Pollard is asked to check it out and finds an imminent, imminent hall breach. Ensign Cortez, rest in peace, is right. there fixing... <laughs> is, why is it always Ensign Cortez? Yeah, Fixing something is unable to reach safely as a result before the emergency force field drops because they don't use sight to sight anymore. Right. Yeah. Zora's too too busy doing other stuff, playing games with Gray and, and instead of just beaming the guy out slams the door see those damn doors gray asks Zora. what happened and zora explains gray reassures her but then points out that zora's detection of something on the exterior is important information bridge crew needs on the bridge the crew report problems across the ship and Bruno says they need more po- more options i'm gonna say more power <laughs> gray comes in saying zora has information cliffhanger
2: yes Zora explains the situation with the Trill Game and <laughs> what she was doing. When Burnham asked Zora to explain, Zora appears as a holographic display on the bridge and explains the microvariance detection on the external sensors. You think she's going to demand a body like Grey got? Where's my body? Yeah. Walk, I, walk around it like it. Like surprised it surprised me. It oh, yeah. Su- by the end of the oh. season? Yep. Probably. You heard it here first. Saru comes up with an idea to use a signal to penetrate the void to get them out. No one knows how to do it. And Burnham orders them to brainstorm on it. <laughs> Think of something. Quick. We don't <laughs> got much time. I'm just the captain. Yeah, this is beginning to feel like a TOS episode. <laughs> <laughs> Book is in sick bay, being lambasted by the vision of Vito, who insists he's a coward, not fit for the amulet he wears, and insists on blood for blood in relation to the destruction of Quajon. Book has quite the uh, subconscious imagination, yes, it doesn't he? Book insists that he's doing what's right, but Leto says it's because Book loves Burnham. Getting a little personal there. Whoops! You, whoops! Yeah. Book defends this. Lido again calls Book Tarek, and Book definitely says. It's not his name anymore. On the bridge, Bort, brainstorming, finds no solution yet, and Owo insists on going down to engineering to reinforce the area, but Saru orders her to go back to her station before having Dot sent to the area. That was a little bold. Calm down, (laughs) Owo. In the ready room, Burnham with Gray is talking with Zora about her feelings (laughs) and reassures her it's normal, normal to feel guilt. As Zora is feeling it about Instant Cortez, they are asked to come to sickbay. Well, hopefully somebody has an answer. In sickbay, Dr. Culber says the hallucinations book is experiencing will subside within an hour. Well, at least he's starting to get the framework down a little. Yes. Thanks to Stamets, who says they're the solution, as they came from the barrier at the edge of the galaxy. As they discuss it, they come to the conclusion that they can find a way out using the particles.
1: We have to remove your brain,
2: so stand by. (laughs) Burnham transports to the bridge. Oops! Somebody's using it. Yeah. And is told shields will fail in 10 minutes. We're cutting it a little close. Then they realize that sonar frequencies and electromagnetic waves can be used to track the particles with an audible ping at 218 kilohertz. Just one ping, Basili. Yes. <laughs> Once they start doing so, Lieutenant Detmer informs them the time it will take is longer than ten minutes, and Burnham realizes they won't survive the heating they experienced on the way in. What you going to do, Cap? <laughs> She proposes using the transporter pattern buffers to save the crew, though the dangerous journey with her staying behind is the captain to help Zora. Well,
1: oh, uh, I'm going to sound. I'm going to top Fred. I have a sound effect for that. Let's see. Press the right button, Dave. Ha ha. What'd you <laughs> think of that? <laughs> you didn't like it? I liked it. I yep. didn't hear it. So <laughs> you didn't hear it? No. Oh shoot. <laughs> I heard it clearly. Stupid computer. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Give me me a Zora
2: then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'll see what kind of drops I've got to put in there. Okay. She orders the crew to transport into the buffer in groups. So nobody is left alone. (laughs) Oh, whoa. Apologizes to Saru for earlier saying she felt that way because of watching her best friend die when she was younger and felt unable to help.
1: Boy, it's so melodramatic on that ship.
2: (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah, but it was something we didn't know about Owo, so. Yeah. Suru reassures her she did enough for her friend, and they transport. Book on a ship sees the vision of his father again, who points out the simulation of wood of the tule tree within it. At least he was impressed by his des- decorating. Yeah, boy, you <laughs> got skills. He's got yeah. skills, son. They again fight over their ways, and Book says he chooses to believe spirits do go on, so they aren't really gone. He says goodbye and happy birthday to his father <laughs> before ready- readying for transport. Happy birthday, you ghost. Yes, Book meets up with Burnham, and they share I love yous. Book transports with his queen. Burnham heads back to the bridge and activates her EV suit, telling Zora to deactivate life support. Zora has trouble following the signals, but Burnham tells her to focus and reassures her that experiences like fear make you stronger. Yeah, <laughs> whatever doesn't kill you yeah but Zora reports part of her are dying as parts oh. of the ship are breaking but Burnham reassures her you can do this as temperature rise, and Burnham asks Zora to bring the crew out of the pattern buffers when it's safe four minutes left Zora offers a distraction <laughs> from the heat by playing a song <laughs> Zora sings her own version of the storm Stormy Weather by Harold Arlen and Ted Kohler Sung by Annabelle Wallace, I, I'm assuming.
1: Yeah, at least you can sing. Yep, yep. Although I would have picked Heatwave by Linda yes, Ronstadt. Uh, absolutely. So it's the second week in a row someone's like nearly turned to toast. Last week it was poor Felix. Yep. This time it's the captain who's who's on the fire. Yep. Okay, so Burnham wakes up to Dr. Colbert examining her. Naughty. Saru explains everyone got out of the pad and buffer fine, and she hugs Saru. Discovery undergoes repairs. Watched by Saru and Book, who talk about the extragalactic origin of the DMA. Okay, thoughts on that later. Saru says damage thinks further analysis will tell them exactly where it came from. Both express what his father would want, and Saru responds by explaining the culling by the Ba'ul. And how he still feels rage thinking about it when he sits in the Kaminar High Council. He tells Book that the struggle to overcome our emotions is a worthy one. They don't have a Vulcan on their uh, ship, do they? No. No. No Navarre, I should say. Yeah, a Navarre. Hmm, yeah, there should be a,
2: a Lisa, a liaison. Oh, Absolutely. That would be great. Maybe but, the one that got kicked off that <laughs> Vulcan ship on uh, yeah. Dex will show up. Yeah, that would be great.
1: <laughs> Burnham Burn finishes her tree of memories, discussing it with Zora. Zora asks to create her own tree, and Burnham allows it. Zora, yeah, soon she won't ask permission. Right, she'll just— Zora's tree contains uh, memories of the crew, and Burnham says, It's beautiful. Yeah, these guys are even mushy with the computer. <laughs> well, if the computer's like Nomad from the original series when he just didn't kill anything? <laughs> I mean, I... It didn't like anything, he just blow up. My solution is to blow everything up, except you, Captain. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so... What do you think, Steve? little Easter eggs? Absolutely. Maybe some boomer talk, if my, if my little brain will allow it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a long time ago. Yes, it is. <laughs> getting longer. So in the opening moments of the episode, we see Burnham putting together a family tree inspired by the, the Logie orb from the previous episode, The Examples. So who's on Burnham's family tree? Here's what ha- spotted her biological mom and dad are both there. Mike Burnham Sr. and Gabrielle Burnham. Both versions of O are there. That's interesting. Yes. I I spotted her too. Captain Philippa Giorgio from the Prime Universe and the Giorgio we've seen from the mirror universe. That's the nasty one. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Keeps jumping off the bridge and I mean the branch and running across her room. (laughs) Bearded Spock and Baby Spock. Burnham has pictures of both Spock as a child, Liam Hughes, and the future of Spock from Discovery season two. Funnily enough, Burnham mocks Spock's beard in season two episode if memory serves, Saru is on there, and the scene is the moment of the almost suicide in Obol for Sharon. Both Sarek and Amanda, the parents who raised her half of her childhood, are on there too. Very sweet. Because Disco is headed into the Subsafe Rift, Saru gives Captain Burnham a history lesson saying that an Enterprise noted heating plasma and Voyager charted ionized particle eddies. Oh, here we go again. Yep. They can't think of any new names for their ship. <laughs> These two shadows are a bit hard to pin down what the Enterprise crew we was referring to uh, that noted a heated planet that could be Enterprise-E in the film Star Trek Insurrection. Could be. That would, That ship was the most militaristic of them all.
2: Yes, absolutely.
1: In that film, an isolytic birth caused a subspace tear that said a, a subspace rift could also refer to the next episode, Force of Nature. Next uh, Generation episode, Force of Nature, in which it was learned that the certain kinds of excessive warp speeds cause rifts in subspace. Yep, it's called litter in these days. Yes. <laughs> as far as the Voyager goes, the best guesses here are the Omega Director or Cold Fire. That said, there is a contemporary Voyager J, is that for Janeway? In the, <laughs> in the present tense of Discovery right now in 3189. We don't know if there's a contemporary Enterprise, but that there should be. I mean, yes, might there well. should. <laughs> there should be. <laughs> the great, 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 great grandson of Kirk. We just don't know which timeline he's from. Right. <laughs> the point is, there has likely been a, a shit ton of Enterprise and voyages in 800 years between the next generation and now. <laughs> yep. That, if that's what they want us to believe. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, see him. Let's yeah, see him. Remember the. Uh, all the models of the ships that Picard had? Oh, yeah. Uh, was at first contact. Then he yeah. breaks them. Yeah. <laughs> and she's like, oh, you broke your little ships. Sure you want to make them madder than he already is? <laughs> so this may be an Easter egg to unseen adventures on Enterprises or voyages we've never seen or heard of. Uh, that would be my excuse. Yep. <laughs> at more than one point in the episode, it's mentioned that Linus is under a heating lamp. What? No. Here's a quick Linus refresher starting with season two. Linus is a crew member with a runny nose. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who is a saurian, a reptilian alien species who alluded to the original series and appeared in the background characters in the motion picture. In Discovery, Linus is played by David Benjamin Tomlinson, but not in this episode because we don't see him. Sadly, I wanted to see this giant rock with <laughs> him lying on it. Maybe wearing this pig leaf while he himself under the sun. Well, hopefully wearing a pig leaf. <laughs> As previous episode of Discovery this season, the the background action in the new ship's lounge continues with Deep Space Nine's visual references. This time, we get both a Ferengi and a Lurian together at the bar, which clearly references... uh, Morn, Allurian, and Quark, and Rom, Ferengi, from the bar in DS9. I miss those days. Yes. In order to illuminate the strange void near the subspace rift, the idea of using a photonic flare is suggested. And as I said to Steve earlier, I just want to see giant floodlights open up on that thing. (laughs) The reference of the idea is using photon torpedoes as a light source, which happened in the Next Generation episode, in theory, and in in the Voyager episode called Night. The computer program we've been seeing in the credits for the past five episodes now makes sense. That's what Zora looks like right now, at least in her in her computer form. Stay tuned for her android or human form. Yes. Watch her; She'll hit on somebody, too. <laughs> 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 at the bar or some Ferengi. Yeah. It should be new to however, this is not what Zora looks like in the future. In the Short Treks episode, Calypso, we'll actually know that Zora will evolve a lot more than this. And what we're seeing is essentially the beginning of that process. Here we go. Yep. At several points, Book's father, back to him, refers to him as Turex. We've already known that Cleveland Booker wasn't his real name, but he, we haven't actually been told why he chose the specific name after leaving his home planet. Well, I know he probably, as a child, went aboard the USS Cleveland that they never changed the name on either. Right. <laughs> so, so, that sounds good to me. Yeah. In the season three episode, People of Earth. Verena mentions that she needs to get to the story of Book's name. Uh, she's funny as, like me. Yeah. <laughs> I still don't know. Stamps makes a joke about live wire and then says, if we still use wires, he probably does do his hair. He just yeah. won't. <laughs> this implies in the 32nd century, there are no wires on any kind of the starship. Well, I suppose if you're going to have floating nacelles, too. Yeah. Why bother? <laughs> is anyone else going to hold discovery to this canon? Please don't. <laughs> a scan of Book's brain reveals that there are particles from the galactic barrier, which proves the DMA dark matter anomaly, comes from the outside of the Milky Way galaxy. Hmm. I, I sometimes I wonder if it really does. It so may be inside the galaxy, but it, the only way you can get back inside is to go out. If that, if that it makes could sense. Be. Yeah. Could be. Yeah. Like a boomerang. Yeah. Now, now even I understand my theory. <laughs> the idea of the galactic barrier and Trek canon originates from the original series' second pilot episode where no man has gone before. The Enterprise also left the galaxy in the episode by any other name when they were hijacked by the Kelvins, who also originated outside of the galaxy. I remember that. It was kind of cool because yeah. there's no way to explore anything. We always talk about space, but we, we forget that it's also the universe and it's full of galaxies. And in between it, there's mm, yeah. nothing. <laughs> we don't know what's in there. I don't, Yeah. Some type of waves, I'm sure. <clears throat> we should go out and find out. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> my, my 32nd century self will, will probably do it. Yeah. Now, it feels very unlikely that disco is bringing back the Kelvin's but. When you consider that the Guardians of Forever came back in season three, you never know. Yeah. (laughs) It's true. The entire crew is protected from the radiation of the subspace rift by getting stored in the pattern buffer. (laughs) To be clear, this means that they're all beamed into the transporter but not beamed out. It's a little scary prospect, I would say. Oh, absolutely. What if there was, I mean, there's fire everywhere. There's no shields. Stuff's. It's a good thing there's no wires to melt, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I guess we're I guess uh, they we're lucky they keep the uh, transporter or that area inside a giant igloo cooler. Yes. We're told that Starfleet records indicate that this can work out long term, which is a direct reference to the Next Generation episode, Relics, in which Scotty was discovered in a pattern buffer over seven decades after he put himself in it. Yep, that was another good episode. Yes, it was. Yeah. <laughs> He should have had a bottle of scotch in there with him. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly enough, the first person Scotty talked to when he was out of the pattern buffer was Riker, followed by Jonathan Frakes, who directed the episode of Discovery. Small Universe, or Galaxy. Yes. <laughs> the old school plot device also sets the way for Zora to do this for the crew again, which could explain why the ship appears abandoned in Calypso. But maybe not. Well, oh, mentions to Saru that she was unable to help a friend in her youth because of the proper care wasn't available. Yeah, way, way to get out of the uh, insubordination. Way to get into the insubordination. Well, I had a friend a long time ago. Yeah, that's nice. So, but... Good old Saru comforts her by saying that she bore witness to this sad event. Uh, Oddly enough, this touching moment contains a small easter egg to Owe's personal history and Jonathan Frakes. In the Season 2 Discovery episode of New Eden, it was established that Owa grew up in a Luddite colony that eschewed advanced technology. So the origin of her story is probably connected to those in the colony not having the right tech or medicine to save this other person. The callback's doubly interesting because the person who directed New Eden was Jonathan Frakes, who also directed this episode is Jonathan Frakes advancing a secret plot to give OO even more backstory if so he's doing a great job yes, he is. I wonder much, how much creative input he actually has into the story you know back in the day in big time Hollywood there's always director interference nope I don't like it doing
2: it wrong and then we yeah. just insert themselves I would in think it. that because Frakes has done so much Trek directing Mm. They pretty much give him a free reign to do whatever he wants. And so, yeah, he digs in his mind and says, oh, I can tie this and this together. And, oh, that'll be cool. (laughs) He runs off, plays a little trombone, runs back. I got it. Exactly. (laughs) Well, do you got any... uh, Complaints you want to mention before we get into feedback?
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Complaints.
1: Uh, I think when Fred catches up with this episode, if he hasn't already, she does. Uh, the captain does go into whisper mode. Yes. Uh, I, I, do, I still like it when the sparks fly between those two, and it, it's awfully sincere when they tell each other they love each other. Nice. It works. I, I believe it. Yep. You know, which is half the battle there. It'll be interesting to see if if uh Zora demands a body eventually and the first one will say yes this this should be done will be uh will be gray
2: I'm sure yeah
1: <laughs> I want my friend to have one
2: <laughs> wouldn't it be something if uh Zora picks data's form to come back in oh that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Maybe they'll just re- replace uh, what's-his-name
1: there with the runny nose sitting on a rock. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was one of them that isn't missing so much. You know what? You can stay in your cabin. We get one that works. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Poor Linus. Yep. All right. Well, we do have some feedback on this episode, as our friend Fred from the Netherlands has provided his thoughts. So let's
0: hear what he's got to say about it. Hello, Steve and Dave, and all listeners to the Girl Zone. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Star Trek Discovery Season 4, Episode 6, day after Christmas, so on Christmas Day I watch this episode and will give some feedback and as I learned as a teacher in feedback you always start with the positive and then discuss the improvement points. Well okay, this episode the second part is oh gee. Okay. We'll start with the positive. I really, really like the increased role of Grey here, the way how this young actor does this. I think that Ian Alexander really has grown. What I didn't like is the story, and especially the part where Zora gets emotion. I find it such a silly thing that in a stress situation, you have to convince your autopilot to go somewhere because she's afraid. Hello? I mean, there is emotional stuff enough in this season with Book and his lost planet, with Hugh Culber, with Grey and Adira, even with Tilly a little bit. I don't think I need another emotional story, namely the one with your computer. And the point is, I had high expectation because it's directed by Jonathan Frakes. But on the other hand, he just has to deal with the script here, and that was written by Anne Cofell Saunders and Brandon Schultz. Well, sorry guys, I know on the other hand you could argue what is the difference between a spaceship without an autopilot and let's say the pilot is uh, anxious, like Detmer suddenly has problems to fly through a barrier or whatever, and you also have to convince her to do her job. Well, okay, it's still an autopilot and a computer. Or are we talking about artificial intelligence with emotions? And are we getting very close to data, for instance, who wants a emotion chip? Okay, I will stop end of my rant because this goes in a very wrong direction and I don't want to spoil it for other people who liked it a lot. Visuals, cinematography, etc. was superb as always to and with something positive. Greetings, all the best, Fred from the Netherlands. I don't think this was the right Christmas thought of peace and harmony. Okay, bye. You mean live long and prosper? <laughs> yes, absolutely, Fred. What planet are you
1: from, Fred? I, I agree with a lot of Fred's observations. And now the computer, <laughs> yeah. is touchy feely and afraid. There's something to be said for a machine that works. If the machine fails because I don't know the gears are stripped or or the or the wires are crossed or something like that, but it, when it has the <laughs> when it gets nervous <laughs> or afraid, they're in big trouble. How do you get back from that?
2: Right. Yeah. I think that, it could
1: be another patient for Hugh for Hugh. Yes. <laughs> Lie down in his couch. I will once I get a body.
2: Yeah, yeah I understand where you're coming from, Fred, and but I do think it will lead to something better, I hope. I mean, you know, you go back to the way Zora was on that short trek and it didn't seem like it was quite as emotional as as we saw in this episode. That's for sure. So, Hopefully, this emotional computer won't last too long. (laughs) Mm, Yes, it will.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I don't know if Fred is watching Lost in Space. I I can highly recommend it. The new series. Not the old one. one. The new one. They have uh, a new robot. And it's uh, intelligent. Yeah. It thinks uh, on its own. Its name is Robot, though. Not very. (laughs) And and there's Sar, Sar, bad guy robot. And uh, there was Scarecrow. Whoops. Spoiler alert. (laughs) But... Sar, the evil robot, or is he evil, uh, doesn't like programming. He's like, no more programming. At least that's as far as I've gotten. Right. And I just wonder, that's a different explanation of AI. He, he wants total freedom. But I, it explores the same area. And if there's no more programming, then you can't function anymore. You're just a, like anybody else. Right. And if the and if ship, if ship is going awry, like the captain's going to get cooked and everyone's under a pattern buffer net, it better
2: work. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about that. And you know, they had problems because of the spear data originally. Yeah, it was overloading everything. It was way too much. Didn't have enough memory. Well, how were they going to be able to come up with a body for her? For uh, when it's going to have enough? <laughs> It'll be just a hologram
1: body. Yeah, yeah just a hologram walking around everywhere. Hey, uh, Zora, even your hologram should have some clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Well, I have to admit, what if they go that far, what if it'll look like Annabelle Wallace? Yeah, that would be something else. We should be singing in their version of Ten Forward.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, Fred, we do appreciate your thoughts on each and every episode so far. And looking forward to hearing your thoughts on episode seven. And may you have a very happy holiday. We'd love to hear your thoughts on each and every episode this season. Our deadline for feedback is 10 p.m. Eastern every Friday during the season. You can send your feedback via email or audio to contact us at fangirlzone.com.
1: All right, go to www.fangirlzone.com and click on the contact link. We will find several ways to contact us via email or through social media, like
2: on Twitter, where he's at Sally Steve and I'm at The Real ID Dave. Please review and rate us on iTunes and any other platform you use for your podcast, as good ratings and reviews help other fans of the show find us, as there are a lot of Star Trek Discovery podcasts out there. Tell your friends, and we do hope you're enjoying our podcast, and don't forget to check out the other great Fangirl Zone podcasts. Maybe we should change our name to the Zora Cast.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So the seventh episode is on December
2: 30th and is titled, But to Connect. So until then, remember. I'm Chief Engineer Steve. When Book tried it, it was if he was touched by a live electrical wire. Wire. If we still used wires. Used what? What
1: are they?
0: (laughs) And this is Redshirt Dave. Did I tell you in high school my nickname was Bumpy and Slow?